So glad you guys were all here to enjoy what we've enjoyed so far. And I can let you know now, spoiler alert, that we've got plenty more of that to wrap up our service. They just stuck me in the middle someplace, I guess at 11 o'clock here, to, to say a few words. Yeah, that'd be helpful. Thanks, Ash. And uh, so it's an honor to be able to do that and to just... Um, you want me to stand facing that way? I can if you want me to. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <clears throat> so it's just an honor, and I'm just so glad you took time out of uh, your schedule. I know meeting some of you guys before service this morning, there's some folks that you don't come every Sunday or um, every other Sunday. Maybe you come once a year. That's fine. We're glad to see you, too. And uh, it's just, it's great. It's amazing how... We uh, understand as believers and even many unbelievers that this is a sacred time of year. It's a time when we, uh, we just set a lot of stuff aside and we focus on family, uh, making sure that everyone in the family knows their love. We buy gifts. We do all these things. And when it comes to the Christmas story and from God's point of view, uh, I think it's, 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 it's a pivotal moment in history. In fact, our calendar, I think you probably realize by now, is separated from the time when Jesus came. 2,000 years and 23 uh, later, we now have 2023. That's because Jesus came then. And uh, he came as a child and acknowledging that there's so much that goes into from meal preparation, shopping, right? Everything gets a little crazy because everybody's trying to make this moment special. We can easily lose the significance of it in all that hustle. But the, the process of having these moments that we have, I can tell you, uh, there's been dozens, I'll, I'll say this, on the, I'll estimate low, dozens of hours that went into these guys practicing and coming together. There were potluck dinners that happened here where parents and kids, you know, one of the practices was from 2 o'clock in the afternoon and it went till 7 o'clock that night, more like 8. So this is the commitment that folks have made for our, our children and to be able to be here and to just sing some of the things and have it come together the way that it did. There's a huge process involved in making those moments happen. And when I look at Christmas and I look at it from God's point of view, there's a whole lot of process. It says in Galatians chapter 4, I'll just read this briefly. It says in verse 4 through verse 5, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as children into, the, into God's family. And it says there's a fullness of time that needed to come before God sent his son. Everything was timed perfectly from God's calendar for when Jesus came. There was a lot of process. If you read through Bible history all the way back to Genesis, you realize a whole lot, thousands of years went by before the fullness of time for Messiah to come and be born occurred. And it occurred in, in moments, key moments happened through the story of Christmas. We could read the story. I think most of us know it. I'm so glad that some of the, the children, I mean, goodness gracious, Young lady, memorize that entire passage. I'm sitting there thinking, I can barely remember my favorite scripture verse. Well done. Well done. There is so much that's been written about the story of Christmas, but I just want to select a couple of, of key moments because I'm, I'm processing my life in a different way than I think I used to, and I'm realizing that life kind of passes you by. You know, I crossed the 50 mark, so that's just something happens in the way that you think about life. I mean, best case scenario, I'm halfway there, and then I see some 100-year-olds, and I'm not 100% sure I want to be to 100. So the, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the other end of, of things, and you start to think a little bit differently, and you realize that um, there, are, there are parts of this life that if you don't engage in the moments, 
it can just kind of fly by, and the next thing you know, like, where did it go? And I think it goes by fast regardless, but if we miss moments, we miss life. And there are key moments that happen in the Christmas story, in the story of God's redemption, to, in the fullness of time, send um, Jesus to be born through Mary. And, uh, but I just want to encourage you this morning, when God's time is full, it's the right time. God doesn't do things prematurely. He doesn't do things post-maturely. He does them on time. God's a, a punctual God. From our point of view, it feels sometimes like things are taking a little bit longer than we'd like them to. But God knows what he's doing. And, and this idea of moments is something I want to just share a few minutes with you about because I feel like if we can, during this season, maybe just challenge ourselves individually to not miss moments. When I look at what's happening in society, I realize that so much of what's in front of us, so many of the things that we feel we've got to keep up with, you know, our, our, our feeds on our social media accounts, and it's, it's, it's all things that you can, without knowing it, hours can go by, and you're just flipping through other people's moments, or working so hard to capture your own moments so you can share it with the world that many times we forget to just live in the moments, because the moments are precious. We don't know when the last moment will be when we're with a particular loved one or a particular, at a particular restaurant. All these things are just, they're moments in time that if we just are distracted, we'll miss them and they'll, 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 they'll go right by us. And it's tragic, I believe, because God speaks to his children and he meets us in moments. I remember growing up, and again, I, I announced my age, so there's no, no fear of giving that away. Um, do you remember the, the, the term Kodak moment? Okay, so you, you dated yourself. Um, voluntarily. <clears throat> but a Kodak moment, <clears throat> once upon a time, for those who don't know, the younger generation, Kodak was the only way you captured a moment. Kodak film was pretty much industry-wide. It was the film for cameras that if you didn't have, and, and the cameras were made by Kodak, and it was kind of this monopoly they had, but you could capture a moments in, in, in visual form through photographs on this mostly were disposable initially, and these cameras that, you, that you'd have these pictures that you thought were good, you didn't know, and you had to go to a photo development place, right? And then, and like, then they got to where they were like 24-hour photos, and it was like, wow, and, and just in 24 hours, we're going to get our pictures back. And it was all this celebration. I mean, gas stations and, and grocery stores, all end caps at the register were devoted just to the different size cameras and 12 pictures and 24 pictures and 36 pictures if you're really feeling like you had something you didn't want to miss anything. And Capturing moments has become something that's fascinated humanity from those early days forward. Before then, you had to do portraits and, you know, all that. You had to sit for a long time. They would paint your, your likeness. But once we could capture them, uh, and I remember when it became one-hour photos. Remember those little booths in the middle of parking lots? They're like size of a like, glorified phone booth, and you could bring your film there. And, uh, you know, within an hour, you could go shopping and come back, and you could pick up your film. And you had, you had pictures in an envelope, you know. And uh, some of them were just blank, and you wondered what you did wrong, and the kids got a hold of the camera, and some of them, you know, you couldn't go back and tweak them and edit them. It was just what you saw is what you got. But this idea of capturing moments is so, it's such a human, instinctive, uh, we're, we're magnetized to that, we're drawn to it, and I believe it's because they're important. Moments that are captured visually allow us to some, to some degree go back and recap and re-experience some of those maybe feelings that we had in the moment that those pictures were taken. I mean, holiday gatherings, like what we're going to have, you know, there's going to be always, there's a, there's a few in the group that just have to get the family picture together. I'm not a picture person. I don't know if you are, but if I can hide out from the pictures and accidentally miss them, I'm more than happy. Um, yeah, I know. Just my wife will vouch for that. Isn't that terrible? It's just miserable. But I don't know. I just, I, it's, ter it's sad, right? Let's just have a moment of mourning and 
and despair. <laughs> Maybe you're all photogenic. I don't know. I think there's probably a couple guys that can relate to where I'm coming from. But, uh, but, but as, as, as humanity, we've become so enamored with the ability to go back and relive moments through the visual of, 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 of cameras and videos and, and now, you know, now videos. It's amazing how powerful those are. But my point is just simply this. I mean, you remember when the Polaroid camera came out? I mean, that was like, if you had one of those, everybody was your friend. They were like, hey, can you get a picture of me? And they didn't mind that it cost a dollar a picture pretty much or whatever it was. It was crazy expensive. And they made a resurgence. I think they've come back recently, Polaroid cameras. But um, we, we've got every, every ability now is just within our phones and, and tablets. Everything we do, we can capture amazing moments in visual format and then have them uh, in the future, but in the process, let's just, I want to encourage us, and I'll, I'll say a few things as I just spend a few more minutes here, but the concept that we're focusing on is moments, not missing moments, not letting moments slip us by because we're so um, distracted. And so Christmas is a celebration primarily of a moment in God's story of redemption. It's the moment when Jesus comes to earth, and we celebrate it, usually it's the birth, but if we go back just a little bit from that we can find a moment that I want to just read the, the recap of that moment. And it's the moment when Gabriel the angel appears to Mary. And it happens in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And I'll just read that. There's, some, there's just so important, I feel like, that we, 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 we slow down a minute and just pick the story. The Christmas story is so vast, we could focus on so many ways and then jump to the end of the redemption story. But I just feel today to focus on a key moment here that we see in Luke chapter 1. So I'll start in verse 26, and I'll read in the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw the angel... She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? I want to pause there before I finish reading and just put this out there. I mean, this is a pretty dramatic appearance. I mean, this is more than a pizza dream. Uh, th this is an angel of God comes in daylight. He's at the house. He's telling her these things. And she's like, don't worry. Don't be afraid. God's on your side. And she's still troubled. I think you'd all, we would all be troubled too. And in the midst of this, he begins to lay out this, this very broad picture of how God's going to use her to, to, to conceive and to bear a child. And she comes to a point where she's obviously impressed. She's troubled. She's stirred up over this visit. But she has a question. And I love this part of the story because I want to encourage you. I'm not sure where, you at, where you're at with your faith journey or your, your, your approach towards God. Or, your, or maybe you've come to him, but you're just walking out your, your walk of growing in relationship with him by the Spirit. But verse 34 is something you need to remember because it says, 
Mary, t- Mary speaks to the angel, how can this be? Since I don't know, I'm not being intimate with a man. How can this be? My point is this. It's okay to have questions. In the face of a direct messenger from heaven to her, God's presence right there fully manifested. Wow, talk about a miracle. Talk about you shouldn't have any questions in that moment. Mary had a question, and the angel's fine with it. He actually takes the time to respond, and let's continue to read his response. But the point is, don't ever think that your questions are not valuable to God. He has answers for your questions. Don't hesitate to bring them. Don't think that they're just, well, I should have more faith. I shouldn't need to have these questions. No, you should need to have them. You're a human being. And Mary was, you know, we know whole religions just worship her as as God or a God because she birthed Jesus Christ. And so here's the choicest, you know, cleanest, most righteous, most holy woman on the planet. And she still has questions for God when he shows up. Be encouraged by that. All right, in your alone time, in your private time, don't hesitate to ask him the questions that seem to rise when you realize what he wants you to do. And so verse 35, it says, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who's to be born will be called the son of God, not the son of Joseph, not the son of some man that she hadn't known yet, but he will be called the son of God. And here is why. It says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. God's seed would be birthed in her. What's the most contested part? Let's go right, you know, we're going to go to the Christmas story. Let's start before the manger. Let's just go back to how this all begins. This is the most contested aspect. If you think about explaining, telling a friend or something, you believe in Jesus and he was born of a virgin. It's like the first thing they'll laugh at. They'll make fun of that because it just seems so impossible. How could a holy God, remember the old part of the scripture, holiness and and Human flesh couldn't coexist. The holiness would destroy. But God understands that through seed, he could introduce himself in a way that would not destroy Mary, but would actually allow her to give birth to the holy child. And it says that the angel goes on to say, he he, he reminds her of a testimony in verse 36. He says, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. That's a whole other story. She's uh, miraculously uh, conceives And he uses it as a testimony to encourage Mary's faith. And in verse 37, the angel says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. He answers her question with a statement. I understand you've got concerns, but with me and with God, nothing will be impossible. What was impossible for your cousin Elizabeth was not impossible. She's now expecting in her sixth month. What is impossible for you because you don't know a man will not be possible because now we're dealing with God's plan and God's way of working through humanity. The powerful shift that happens in human history right here in these moments. But here's the next bit that I feel like I want to just draw all of our attention to. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary could have said something else. I think many of us, I'm not a female, but I think there's a lot of ladies that would have said yeah, I'm blaming that on the pizza or too much espresso or whatever, whatever happened. That, that, this can't be happening right now. Let me come back to this later. But I did a little just digging and a, a, a decision, any decision, when you finalize the decision in your brain, it takes your brain less or about a tenth of a second to make that decision. You can weigh a decision like you weighed probably the decision which service to come to today perhaps, maybe uh, what clothes to wear. We can see some people took more time than others weighing the decision of what clothes to wear. That's Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, we love you. I don't normally dress like this. This is just my thing once a, this is my once a year, unless it's a wedding or a funeral. Uh, but for church, I believe it's casual. God's not in, impressed or intimidated by uh, how casually we dress. Um, but um, sorry, got distracted there. <laughs> You, you weighed some options. You thought maybe come to the evening service, maybe come to the morning service, but you're here now. So that tells me there was a split second where in one-tenth of a second, your brain brought you here to this place by a decision that you made to be here, and you didn't change that decision. The life that we, the future that's in front of all of us, I can promise you one thing. It will be laid out according to the decisions that we make in moments when we make those decisions. That's why moments are so critical. That's why I think they're being stolen from us at a universal on a universal scale, by the technology that we've been, we've been given. And I'm not against technology. I think it's incredible. I also realize that it's robbing many people from being able to live in the present. You can't even have a conversation with so many people, and sometimes I'm guilty too because I'm just like zoned in. My thumbs are, you know, who knew that when we were twiddling our thumbs as kids, we were practicing for the tech age that we're in now. You know, we were just getting our thumb muscles strong. That's what you did when you were bored. Now you do it to survive. You're like, you got to keep up with, with everything that's going on. Blink, 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 you know, sometimes the screen doesn't even stop moving, you know? It's like you can, you can, read, you can read so fast now. It's incredible. You can just, oh, that one can go back a little. You know, but we live life at a pace that's all about recycled moments. Often in other people's lives that we love and we're impressed by, we want to keep up with. But in the process of it all, is it possible that we could be a generation that actually lost our bearings in key moments of history because we weren't open to hear what God was trying to say to us, whether it's through his word through quiet meditation, through unplugging from all that and getting alone and saying, Lord, what's, what's my deal? What do you have for me today? What, who, who do I need to make a phone call to? Who do, I, who do I have to set my stuff aside for to make time for so they can feel that they're cared for, that they're loved? And this is something that we all have to ask ourselves, not just pastors and not just leaders, but for our children's sake. We're a family church. We've got a lot of children. And I know how many times I, I, I feel guilty because I'm like, I hear the, my child call again, hey, can we? Do breakfast now? I'm like, yeah, I'll be right there. A couple more things. I want to make sure there's no emails or something. We, we can miss moments is my point. If we let the draw of this world keep putting us into the future and, and just fast forwarding through the time that we're actually in. I mean, I don't know. There's many ways we can look at this. I think it's a, it's a cultural thing. It's beyond just our devices. It's in marketing. The world understands. I mean, you look, it won't be much more than maybe tomorrow. We'll be looking at Valentine's candy on the shelves. You know that's true. There's probably some stores that already have it. They're probably during, when it's closed tomorrow during Christmas Day stores, you can, there's going to be Valentine's candy out and gift cards and things like this because we just, we're so, we, we can't wait for the next thing and we feel like we're ob- obligated to, to get ready for the next thing and yet, is it possible that we're being drawn farther ahead where we really don't have control and there's so much anxiety that comes with that and we're missing the peace that can come in a moment where you just quietly recognize, he loved me enough to come and to embrace a process that included being born of a virgin, the most controversial, impossible way that it could be done, just so that he could show us how much he loved us. We don't know the reasons why it needed to happen that way fully. I know there's scholars that explain it all through how it has to work and, and atonement, how it had to be a man, and I, I believe all that, and it's all true. But more than that, to me it's a demonstration that God is not afraid of process. He's not afraid to submit himself to the same processes that you and I all came into this world by when he decided to come as Savior of the world. He's not in a hurry. He understands time in a way that we don't. A day is like a thousand years to him, and a thousand years is like a day. It's right in the book of Peter, coming from a guy that understood how 
messed up, you can make things if you get ahead of the plan. I want to encourage us. Let's not miss moments. Let's recognize that in moments is, is a time when we can make decisions that can change the future of our entire lives, that can change the future of a nation. Mary's split-second decision to say, yes, Lord, let it be done according to me, that decision was made in her mind in less than a tenth of a second. And she didn't weigh the decision very long either. But when she made it, she stuck to it, and things progressed from that point. I wonder how many world changers are in this room, things that we'll decide or not decide or decide wrongly that will have an effect on generations to come. We don't know that. Mary didn't know that. She wasn't given the full thing other than in broad strokes of God's going to use you powerfully for this person. And yet it's 2,000 years since he, was, since he came, and we're still fighting through some stuff to get to the end of this age. Time to the Lord. He's, in, he's, he's a master of time, but he's not in a hurry like we are. Jesus warns us in Matthew 6, verse 34. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. That's a pretty straightforward statement. If Jesus says, don't worry, you think we should just ignore what he said? I don't think that's a good idea. I think a lot of people, myself included, the times in my life when I've ignored that and I've gotten spun up about what could go wrong and what might happen and how I might not have enough money and how this job's not going to make it meet and we might lose this and we might lose that. You can get so spun up and so sleepless and so stressed out that you actually self-fulfill the reality of what you're afraid will happen. It's happening in the world that we live in. It's happening to our younger generation and it breaks my heart. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. And then he says, why? He says, tomorrow will worry about its own things. 